We're going to turn again to Luke's gospel and read from Luke chapter 2, beginning at verse 8. Luke 2, beginning at verse 8. Hear now God's word. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. As the King James puts it, I believe, they were sore afraid. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day, in the city and the town of David, a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is well pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Friends, the grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God will stand forever. Amen. So looking at this passage again for today, and we'll look at it as we move through Luke's gospel. Today we're going to talk about God in person the amazing good news of God in person. Not ideas about God, not even teaching that is from God about God. And that's really important. But today we talk about God in person. That's awesome to think about, isn't it? God in person. Uh, go back to Luke chapter 2, verse 9. And remember now, the angel of the Lord appeared to them. And this is it's point number one. It's got three chi's, three ands here. The central one is, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they, the shepherds out in the field, were filled with great fear. So, you could read over that pretty fast and just think, well, they were overwhelmed by the angel, but no, 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 go, go back to the verse. What's right there in the middle? What's the storyline here? The glory of the Lord. The glory of the Lord. Let's talk about the glory of the Lord. It occurs to me at Christmas time, we often focus on, of course, the Holy Spirit coming and you know, bringing about the, the miracle of the conception with the Virgin Mary. Obviously, we talk about Jesus a lot 
the big hero of the story, come to us born in Bethlehem. But the father's in the story also. And there he is. There he is right there in Luke chapter 2, verse 9, kind of between the lines, so to speak. The glory of the Lord. The glory of the Lord is a big message and theme in the Bible. When the tabernacle is constructed, in Exodus chapter 40, verses 34 through 36, we read this, and it creates a dilemma that leads to the entire book of Leviticus, is how are unholy people going to come even near the presence of the glory of the Lord? Listen to this. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting. That's the tabernacle. In other words, where heaven and earth meet, where God comes down to his people. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting. Now, this is the one man who's seen at least kind of the back echo of the glory of God up on Mount Sinai. Now Moses can't even go in to this intersection of heaven and earth, the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud settled on it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Throughout all their journeys, whenever the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the people of Israel set out. That's the end of the book of Exodus. Now, much later, we're not doing a whole Bible study today, but much later, when Solomon builds the temple in Jerusalem, the glory of the Lord fills the temple. When the priest, this is in 1 Kings chapter 8, I'm picking up at verse 10, and when the priest came out, of the holy place, a cloud filled the house of the Lord. That's the temple that Solomon's built in Jerusalem. So that the priest could not stand to minister because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord. Then Solomon said, the Lord has said that he would dwell in thick darkness. I have indeed built for you an exalted house a place for you to dwell forever. Now, Solomon was the instrument God used to build the temple, but he gets a couple things really wrong there, I think. One thing is he misreads because the glory of the Lord not only brings darkness, but also brings incredible light. He's focusing on the dark cloud right there. He's also assuming that he's the promised son of David who will build a house that will last forever, and this temple gets destroyed in 587. One thing about the glory of the Lord is, you probably remember this, it's in the Holy of Holies, and only one man once a year gets to even get near it. And that's the high priest who goes in on Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. And even then, they've got ropes tied to his legs so they can pull him out if he gets overwhelmed by even getting near the glory of the Lord. When that temple is destroyed, in 587, 586 B.C., before that happens, Ezekiel tells us, the glory left the temple. Before the pagans, the Babylonians come in and destroy the temple, the glory's gone. You can read about that in Ezekiel chapters 10 and 11. 
in chapter 11, verse 22 of Ezekiel, then the cherubim lifted up their wings with the wheels beside them and the glory of God of Israel was over them and the glory of the Lord went out, not just from the temple, but now from Jerusalem itself, from the midst of the city and stood on the mountain that's on the east side of the city. What mountain is that? The Mount of Olives, right? The glory is gonna return via the Mount of Olives through somebody who rides a donkey into Jerusalem much later in the story. A couple more on the glory of the Lord. In Isaiah chapter six, Isaiah tells us about his vision. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim, each had six wings. With two, he covered his face. With two, he covered his feet. With two, he flew. And one called to another, one seraphim to another, one seraph to another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians that the God of this age, that means Satan, blinds unbelievers so that they cannot see the glory of God at work in the world. Can we see? One other passage about God the Father coming and speaking. It's in the story, it's kind of right in the middle of the Old Testament about the prophet Elijah. After he stands down the prophets of Baal, he then flees because Israel is so unfaithful and Jezebel is still in control. He flees all the way back down to Mount Sinai. It's called Mount Horeb, but that's another name for Mount Sinai. And um, God sends him down there after he flees, God sends him all the way to the mountain and the word of the Lord comes to Elijah. Now, if you've read the New Testament, who is the word of the Lord? It's actually Jesus, right? Um, the word of the Lord comes to Elijah. And he, that is the word of the Lord, said, go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by. And a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in, the Lord was not in that whirlwind. And after that, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, fire. Well, surely this is it, right? Pillar of fire, right? No, the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire was a still, small voice, a literally a low whisper. God comes small and gentle. Don't get distracted. God's not in the fire or the earthquake. God himself comes in the whisper like what we talked about last night with the kingdom of the mustard seed. 
which brings us to the incarnation. God comes in our flesh. That's what we celebrate on Christmas. God in person coming into our humanity. Hey, why would God do that? Why would the Son of God do that? And the answer is love, love for the Father, and love for his own. God in person in our humanity, God in person in our history, in our fallenness, in our needs, in our story. Do you believe that God can come into your life? That's the invitation of the gospel today. God's not out there somewhere. God's not putting on a show. God comes to you to call you and claim you to himself. A gentle whisper. Back to old prophet Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 40, the word of the Lord brings this prophecy that's just central to the whole New Testament. Um, a voice cries, in the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places a plain and the what? The glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. We're looking, if we're reading this passage, we're assuming that the way this breaks in is a big earthquake and fire and overwhelming, you know, devastation and everything. <laughs> but it comes in Bethlehem. And the proclamation and the very incarnation of God's coming. And the word of God became flesh and dwelt among us, John says in John 1.14. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, come for the Father, full of grace and truth. So, <laughs> the glory of the Lord comes to those shepherds and through the angels points them to God in person. And they go and see, and they're amazed. Because you want to talk about a still, small voice. It comes through the little cry of a little baby wrapped in swaddling cloths. Back to John's gospel, he tells us that the Lord first, the Lord Jesus first revealed his glory to his disciples with the first sign, uh, the miracle, the wedding in Cana when he turns the water into the wine. John closes out that sign by telling us it was here that the Lord first revealed, Jesus first showed his glory. Because you notice the shepherds aren't afraid of the baby. Isn't that awesome? As Paul says, 
the Son of God emptied himself and took on the form of a servant. I mean, who would have known? It's just another baby. No, it's God. The message and the invitation of Christmas includes this. Pray. Pray and ask God to unblind your eyes from the power of the God of this age, as Paul puts it in 2 Corinthians, that you and I might know and see and live in the Son, Jesus, who brings us into the glory that is God, that brings eternal life and joy unceasing. A lot of times we say, man, I wish Christmas could be all the time, all year. You ever thought that? It's a good thought. Well, guess what it can be when we believe in him and know him and praise him and rejoice in him. And one day, when these eyes close on this earth, we have that great opportunity. You know what? Everyone who belongs to Jesus, who has believed in him, will open our eyes and we'll see his glory face to face. Merry Christmas indeed, God in person. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, now and forever. Amen.